I saying that we're actually doing something as a ministry, but uh, I don't think Pastor Jen would mind. On Monday, we started last week. Now, you know, in case anybody was thinking, oh my God, there'll be competition for what we're doing. Oh my goodness, it bombed. It was terrible, okay? So, you know, at this particular point, what we started on Monday won't take anybody away from their favorite show, all right? But this next one is going to be really, really good because we pre-recorded it to make sure that we wouldn't have the technical issues. What are you talking about? Well, um, for 10 years, from 1994 to 2004, I was over at the prayer school and the healing school. And so during those 10 years, I was preaching about 550 times a year, which just means you're kind of meeting yourself coming and going, and you stumble over things. doesn't mean you're good. It just means you're doing so much that sooner or later you kind of figure it out, all right? And then everybody thinks, oh, my goodness, you know, you really know what you're doing, and you're like, uh, I just kind of learned it yesterday. But I don't tell them that. <clears throat> I just act like, yes, I know what I'm doing, amen? And that's what it was like for 10 years, but it was awesome, and we had so many incredible moments in prayer school, and there were somewhere around anywhere from 250 to almost 400 that would show up for prayer school, and we would run, and we would shout, and get so excited about Jesus, and we'd pray heaven and earth together, and the anointing would fall in that place, and that just became a norm and a regularity there. And then after I left in 2004, Leanne, who helped me for those 10 years, stayed on another 15 years and took it over. Well, that's pretty good. She needs a medal. Amen. 25 years of doing that. Well, we've reunited, Leanne and I have, and we're starting and actually have started, except the first one we want to kind of forget about. We've already uh, deleted it, just in case anybody's trying to go back and see what it looked like. But uh, we started Prayer School Live. And you can go to prayerschoollive.com and you can register, which just is your email, so that we can send you a link on the day that we're going to do it, which is Mondays, uh, 7 o'clock Central Standard Time. And uh, it's just going to be great. Now, if I told you that last week, I would have been saying, it's going to be great. Isn't it going to be great? I sure hope it's going to be great. Wow, this was terrible tonight, but hopefully it'll be great. Um, in my hotel room yesterday, we went ahead and recorded our second event because, again, we wanted to actually try to control the problems that we had, and we pretty much eliminated about 90% of them, and it was amazing. Tony Jones is with us playing the piano in the background, and oh my goodness, Leanne and Tony got going just singing and worshiping in the spirit, just fresh new songs, and there was such a wonderful presence on what we shared, and then just praying in the Holy Ghost, and it's just really, really cool, and our first video that we put out before we actually endeavored to start, we had over 6,000 people contact us and watch it in the first 24 hours. So I believe that there's a small army out there that want to pray, that want to be mobilized, that want to get their voice back, and want to, in a sense, step into their calling. Maybe some have been distracted for years, but the opportunity is out there. We're just needing to really pray. God wants prayers right now. There's such a need in the earth. Do you agree with that? Yes. Amen. So that's a long spiel just to let you know. You can go to prayerschoollive.com, sign up, or just, you know, subscribe. And then tomorrow, you'll be given a link, and you can go to, this is pre-recorded, 
but you can go and listen, and I think you'll be really, really blessed. And then from then out, we trust we'll have a handle on it where the live experiences will be just as good as the pre-recorded. So, amen. God is good. Hallelujah. I'm excited about it. It's just fun to pray when the anointing is there to pray. Have you ever prayed before and it felt like 10 minutes and you actually been going forever? You've been going a couple hours? That's really nice because the Spirit of God's there. Now have you ever prayed for 10 minutes and it felt like you've been praying for two hours? That's really terrible. Huh? Because you look at your watch and you think, wait a minute, did it, did it stop? I know I've been here for two hours. I'm like, you know, just killing myself to pray. Well, it's horrible when there's no anointing, you know. But when there's a real connection and you're connected with God, prayer becomes fun. And that's what we were experiencing yesterday. John 14, 18 to 20 in the Message Bible says, I will not leave you orphaned. I'm coming back in just a little while. The world will no longer see me, but you're going to see me because I am alive and you're about to come alive. Stop right there for a moment. What is that you're about to come alive? Is he not talking about the born-again experience? Yeah, exactly. You know, that's what he was trying to get across to Nicodemus, but Nicodemus didn't get it. You know, he was more religiously inclined. And so when Jesus said, you know, you must be born again, Nicodemus is freaking out going, well, you know, you can't go back into your mother's womb when you're old like this. What are you talking about, this born-again experience thing? And Jesus then had to break it down and use things that, that Nicodemus was aware of, like he said things like, you know, well, you know, that which is born of the flesh is born of the flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is born of the spirit. I still don't kind of get it. Well, what do you feel right now, Nicodemus? Well, there's a breeze that's blowing. Hey, that's exactly what it's like. The breeze is blowing. You can't tell where it's coming from or where it's going, but you can sense that it's actually moving. And so is an individual who is born of the Spirit. There's something alive on the inside. Nicodemus says, I, I kind of am getting this, but I'm not really getting this. And Jesus looked at him and said, come on, man, are you kidding me? If you can't get earthly things that you know, how are you going to get spiritual things that you don't know? And all of a sudden, you begin to get a little idea of how Jesus works with individuals to take things of this world and make sense out of things from that world. Jesus said, you're about to come alive. That means when you come alive, what part of you is coming alive? Your spirit. So if your spirit comes alive, won't your spirit then have activity? Your spirit will come alive and to the one of which you come alive. You're not born unto the devil's kingdom. You're born into the God's kingdom. Then that whole kingdom and everything about that kingdom should become real to you. You should, by being alive, then have access to that world. And it should be as real as you grow and develop in it as you have already grown and developed in this one. Amen? And it seems like as we get going here, you're going to find out that Jesus always used the connections of man in this world to formulate a thought pattern so that you could connect on the same wavelength in that world. And we'll see in a second, it's kind of a matter of what station you're on. But every station you go to, you have to fine-tune it so that you can get rid of the static so that you can begin to hear the sound of the station. And if you want to hear country but you're on a jazz station, you don't, you, you're not going to. 
You could listen to it for a real long time, but that jazz is not going to turn into a country twang. Huh? And people need to get on the right station, and that's what it means to be born again. Automatically, you get put on the right station. Now, now growing spiritually is fine-tuning your ability to hear what you've already come alive to. This is why we've spent time in this area over the last couple of days, because it's such an important area that everybody individually have a relationship of your own. You know, we share experiences, and some individuals say, my, I want an experience like that. Well, get your own. Now, that doesn't mean you can't. It just means don't measure your individual special relationship with Jesus by someone else's individual special relationship with Jesus. Remember, there's never a test. Jesus took the test. That's really important for you to know. This is not about trying to be better, 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 and try to actually get God's approval. You had his approval while you were still a sinner. Think about that. Jesus took a test before you were ever born, and he took that test for you, and he passed that test, put your name on it, so the issue would never be about what you do or what you don't do. The issue would be about everybody can come boldly to the throne of grace and experience God. It's like a preview before we actually get there. Isn't that kind of what Jesus said when the disciples were saying, Lord, teach us, you know, how to think right concerning prayer. And he said, well, you know, that, that the will of God in heaven would be done on this earth. What was he trying to help them to see? You can actually, because you're like me, you can actually begin to experience things that you will experience in the days coming on the other side. But you don't have to wait until then. You can experience them now. That's why it's a personal and individual relationship. But people like to stay in the group concept. Group concepts are not really, really good because it doesn't mean everybody's actually going the right direction or the right speed. Why don't you get your own speed and have your own experiences? That's where life becomes fun. But it is a little unnerving if you're used to following what everybody else does. Amen. I mean, for a while there, I would love corporate prayer, but when I got alone in prayer, I felt a little bit like I didn't know what I was doing, and so I felt a little insecure. So I would run back to the corporate prayer where I could hook up with what others were doing while they were doing it, and I felt a little more secure, like, hey, I'm really a part of this group. I'm really going with the flow. But the day that I began to experience him on my own then opened up the real world of God and Jim in a divine connection. And that's where I began to move forward, and I began to value my own relationship with God. Come on, that's where prayers work, when there's great value about your own connection with God. Amen? Now look at what it says here. At that moment, you will absolutely know that I am in my Father, you are in me, and I am you. Well, notice the words that he uses. I know it's the Message Bible here, but it's very, very accurate. He said, at that moment. At what moment? At the moment of which you come alive. How does God see what happens when you come alive spiritually? At that moment, you will have an experience that's very absolute, that becomes your own, and in that experience, you will recognize that God has come to live in you as much as you have now come to live in him. Now, that's what Jesus says is supposed to happen. 
You may say, well, that didn't necessarily happen to me. Well, maybe because you weren't surrounded by people of which that did happen where you thought that would be the norm. Maybe things weren't explained to you like that, and it was kind of explained the old religious way, where, you know, you all become a part of the family, and there's angels now that are shouting the glory, and they're singing up there, and, and, you know, just slap happy about the fact that you've come into the kingdom of God. Oh, praise the Lord. This is great. Now, next week, you got to bring your pen and your paper, because we're really going to get down to work and figure out what this means. That's kind of what we've all experienced. But that's not the sum total of the experience. The sum total of the experience is you experiencing him for yourself. Amen. And it's not scary. God will take you just step by step by step until you love being with him. Now, again, notice the words here are, at that moment you will know absolutely. Okay, you know, to do what I'm getting ready to do at the beginning of a sermon isn't necessarily nice because you might not like me by doing this, but I'll make it become my issue, not yours. Because I'm pretty sure that I'm probably in maybe the last category of what I'm going to ask. But how many people in here have been saved at least one year? Awesome. How many of you have been saved at least five years? Keep your hand up. How about ten years? Keep your hand up. Wow, there's some people that have been saved for ten years. That's pretty awesome. What about fifteen? We lost a couple. Okay, what about twenty years you've been saved? For twenty years of your life, you've been saved. Anybody? Yeah, there's a good, good bit. What about 25? Come on, your silver anniversary, you've been saved at least 25 years. Wow. Am I supposed to put a, a, an age numerical number along with that? No, we won't do that. What about 30 years? How many have been saved for 30 years? How about 35? Wow, there's still some that are hanging on. What about 40 years? There's still some. What about 45? There's a couple. There's one hand over there, another hand over there. There's one hand there, one hand there, one there, 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 there. Okay, 45. What about 50? 50 years. And that hand dropped down. There's one right there that's willing to say that. Amen. There's another right here, another right here, there, there, and there. What about 55 years? Now I have to finally drop out. So there's one there, 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 there. Amen. So we won't go any further. <laughs> Only because the more years you have, the worse this illustration actually is. Okay, that's why some of you went past me, and I was thinking that I'd be in that last group with you, and then I could blame it all on me. But I'll do that anyhow. We'll just act like my 54 years is the top. Well, why? What do you mean by this? Okay, so how long does it take you to know somebody? Like if you hung out with them all the time, how long would it take you to know them? Like a couple of weeks, a couple of months, a couple of years. Oh, we had a few people here that were like, I've been saved for two years, three years. Now we start going up to 10 years. Don't you think by 10 years you'd really know somebody? You'd have all kinds of experiences. You could say, man, this is one of my best friends. I could sit here from sun up till sundown and not finish all the stories that we have in just the first couple of months as friends. Wouldn't we say that? Yeah, yeah, we'd say that. What about if you knew somebody for 25 years? 
Oh, my goodness. I mean, you know the nicknames. You go back far enough where you know mom and dad as well. You know, you've got experiences, you know. I can still remember, you know, my, my Italian friend there in New York, you know, and I'd go see him, and if grandma was up, oh, my God, it was, it was horrible. She would be lying to me, and she'd put her fingers, her hands on each side of my face and say, oh, what a beautiful boy. What a beautiful boy. And she'd put a slobbery kiss on me and then wouldn't let me out of the corner why she talked to me for an hour and my friend would go back and forth and just laugh his head off you know because grandma's got <laughs> grandma's got Jim and I was too nice you know I just sat there and listened and you know and so it got to a place where I wanted to make sure she was taking a nap if I'm coming over you know see experiences it goes back far enough where I've been friends with that individual for a long time 50 years Oh, my goodness, you should be able to have so many stories. I should be able to have so many stories. Now, the idea that we actually don't have as many stories as we should have is exactly what religion does to you. It makes you feel comfortable about going nowhere, and you actually like it. Now, that's so perverted, I can't, I can't tell you. Amen? In other words, let me give you another illustration. What do you think the guy that invented the bicycle thinks about a spin class? <laughs> oh, my goodness, you've got like 100 bicycles in this one room. That's great. What do you guys do? Oh, we spin. Well, how far do you go? Miles. Well, what do you get to see? Uh, just this room. No, 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 wait, wait, wait. You, you go miles, but you don't really go anywhere. No, 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 we don't go anywhere. We just put these bikes up on a rack where you spin, but you don't go anywhere. And then he would say, well, that's not why I created them. I created them as an opportunity for you to go point A to point B. And to be able to go real fast, to be able to glide, to be able to take your time, to be able to see the sights, to be able to enjoy company with one another. I didn't invent them for them to be stuck into a room and for you to get all hot and sweaty and go nowhere. If you're going to get hot and sweaty, you should at least, you know, go to the corner store and pick up something that you need. See, wouldn't that be a perversion of what they're actually meant to be? I mean, think of the guy that created red, yellow, and green. It used to be that when you saw a yellow, you prepared to stop. Now, it means go as fast as you can so you can get through the red. Huh? Think about that guy. Wouldn't that guy also be like you, you, you missed the point of the colors? Right? Well, the idea that we have so many years invested into our relationship with God, but have so few experiences with Him that validate that many years is also a perversion. It's religion, which is something that you, by even hearing this, should guard your heart against. The idea that hearing some things about God, being gathered together with people of God, listening to someone that is a man or woman of God, and yet we've gone nowhere, but we are Christians, praise the Lord, and we've got the songs down, and we've got our scriptures learned, and what in the blazes does that have to do with being born again? 
And the answer would be almost nothing. Because being born again is all about the time, the tangibility, and the shared experiences with Jesus. Do you know what that I just described? I described what a real connection with God is. Having a connection with God is time, tangibility, and shared experiences. Do you know on a regular basis, hanging out with my wife, and now we get to hang out with each other a lot more because there's no kids in the house. Amen. But the fun thing is, is we'll be able to go back to some of the fun things that we haven't been able to do as much because of the kids that actually caused our relationship to have so much meaning. So we really, both of us, look forward to that. But when I'm around her, we actually talk to one another. We actually touch one another. We actually are glad to see one another, which means it doesn't take long if you were to ask me, what kind of experiences have, had, have you had with your wife? I would tell you the time I spent with her, the tangibility of being with her, and what that meant to a shared experience. Wouldn't that be a normal relationship? Wouldn't that be a relationship that seems to have potential of continuing to grow, to being healthy? Because I can tell you multiple experiences, shared experiences of time and tangibility. And the answer would be yes, of course. I mean, those are the things that actually made the relationship. You'd stay up extra late and you'd do certain things to connect with each other because there was love in your heart and you didn't have that person yet. So you had to win that person over. And for some reason, we pull back on some of that time and some of that tangibility and we get lost in selfishness of doing our own thing. And then we lose the amount of shared experience or testimony. Amen? Amen? All I'm doing is describing a relationship with God. Jesus said, at that moment you come alive, you will have an absolute experience with God. So much so, you will recognize somebody jumped inside of me and I jumped inside of somebody. I am no longer my own. I am different than I was before. Oh my goodness, this is going to be a ride of my life. Hmm. Amen, 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 amen. I wonder why Jesus and the disciples asked him here, they asked him some questions like, why in the world do you tell stories? Come out of Matthew chapter 13, and let's look and see what Jesus said to them, because the whole reason why he told stories was to pique their curiosity, to stir their mind about the world of which they know so that their connection with God could begin to grow. Amen. You know, we, we, we kind of take for granted some of the amazing experiences that are going on us, around us at all times and don't recognize that God's actually in them. Even things that we might call carnal experiences, just of the flesh or of the world. And yet God can very much be right in the very center of those things, connecting you to something and helping your heart to connect to him at the same time. Amen? You know, for just a moment, if you could see last week's availability of your experiences with God's grace. Now, I don't know what in the world is, is up on the screen. 
Part of the time I'm thinking, you know, while we're singing that we're looking at the inside of plasma, you know, in the blood or something. I don't know, you know, if that's what it is. You know, and there's other times, you know, you're kind of looking at possible, is it dust mites in the air? Is that what we're looking at, all those little things? I don't necessarily know. But what I've chosen to believe about them, because no one's really told me what they are, is, is when I see those little tiny things floating around, that those are the grace experiences that literally are in the air that we breathe. And if for, for some moment God could pull back the curtain to the amount of connections and experiences from us to God's grace, from God's grace to us, in a given week, the amount of experiences that we could actually enjoy, claim, acknowledge, and praise Him about, but we missed them because we didn't even know they were there. I think it would really stun us all about how fast and how far with even one given week that we could go with God and how real he could become after just one week. In a sense, you could say we're losing and missing the greatest part of our life, which is everything about God now that surrounds us and woos us and draws us into experience after experience where your heart changes allegiance instead of your flesh loving your connections to the world. Your spirit now literally glorifies God for this divine connection from your heart to God. Amen? Am I getting too excited? Because some of you just kind of looking like I parted your hair. Oh my God, what in the world is he talking about? Holy smokes, I guess I ought to actually think it's good because he acts like it's good. Matthew chapter 13, verse 10, it says, The disciples came up and asked, Why do you tell stories? Jesus replied, You've been given insight into God's kingdom. You know how it works. Not everybody has this gift, this insight. It hasn't been given to them. Whenever someone has a ready heart for this, the insights and understandings flow freely. But if there is no readiness, any trace of receptivity soon disappears. That's why I tell stories, to create readiness, to nudge the people toward receptive insight. In their present state, they can stare until doomsday and not see it. Listen till they're blue in the face and not get it. That's interesting, isn't it? That Jesus would tell a story to bring you in to the idea, man, I want to hear the rest of this story. This is good. And what's it all doing? Nudging your heart into receptivity. I'm telling you, the grace of God needs an open heart and an open mind. That's one of, one of the greatest things you can do is be still and know that I'm God. That doesn't mean be still and get a degree in knowing God. That means be still and experience the other world. Any world is easier to operate in and you become proficient when you become aware of it. We've just been given a line of baloney for all these years and made to think that the world of the flesh and our connection to the world of the flesh 
through our intellect, is the world that God created. But it's not. Do you know Adam never repented for his sin? He never tried to get in the garden in the back door or the side door. He accepted his fate and immediately turned his attention to his new reality. He didn't try to hold on to the old reality. Come on. Where did the honeydew list start? It started the moment they left the garden. They looked at each other and said, what are we going to do now? That's where it started, right there. Eve was the first one who said, well, I think you ought to do this. I think you ought to do this. I think you ought to do this. And all of a sudden, honeydew list was started. <laughs> Amen. Adam caught up a little bit later and said, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? And they had to do, 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 do in order to survive, in order to have shelter, in order to have food and clothing. They had to do all these. They never had to do those kind of things before. All they had to do was to guard their heart against something that would try to come and become a wedge in between their divine relationship from your heart to God's heart. And think how quickly we literally spiraled out of control downward. The propensity for evil and negativity is like in this world. That's why people always have a greater revelation of negativity than they do of something positive in God. Why? Because you're surrounded by it. It's easy to believe in something bad. You have to go upstream to believe in something good. What do you mean that everybody just spiraled out of control? Well, think about it. Didn't Adam and Eve have to experience all the things we know to be reality? Didn't they have to experience them as a first? Huh? I mean, the first time Eve was running around trying not to burn the water, and she ran around that makeshift, you know, counter that was just a big slab of, you know, uh, granite. And as she ran around the corner, she hit her hip on the side. Have you ever hit your hip on a counter before? And it just kind of paralyzes your hip for a second. And you say things like, ow, ow, ow. And your husband and your wife say, honey, what would you do? I, I hit my hip on the corner. It hurts. Well, we don't think twice that there was a first day where the word hurt was used and there was a first day where the word ow was used. It's just so normal to do that. In fact, some are so accident prone, they've got bruises all over their hips. Amen, it's true. We got more faith for the negativity than we do for the positive. I know this one guy, he's gone on to be with the Lord now, but he also, you know, I used to give him a hard time just because, you know, he was a really big guy, so I just like to need him a little bit, you know. And, and, and he made a comment. He said, well, you know, this faith stuff's just so hard. I said, really? Really? Coming from you? I said, I don't think so. I said, you're like a faith giant in my eyes. He said, what are you trying to say? I said, I've never seen someone in my entire life that can have one accident after another. You can break your leg, and on the way home from the hospital, you'll go ahead and run in the back end of somebody. Nobody can do what you do. It's amazing. You've got such faith for negativity. You just It's like it's everywhere. And I said, well, oh, I, I don't know what you're trying to say. I said, listen, it's really simple. If you would just... 
put your truck in drive instead of in reverse. You could use your faith for God and every good thing that comes from heaven, but because it's perpetually stuck in reverse, you have nothing but one disaster after another. You don't think it comes from what you believe, how you do life, what you see. He got real quiet then because he realized his solution was right within his own hand. Just put it in to drive. Amen. So the first time Eve said, ow, that was real different. Never been said before. Adam didn't understand it because it wasn't his hip. So he looked at her and said, well, let me look at it. And then it all bruised up and it was purple and stuff, you know. And he's like, how'd you get that? She said, don't touch it. Why? Because it hurts. Because I, I really don't get this whole hurt thing and this whole owl thing. Well, then just go ahead and throw your hip into that corner right there and you'll get it. He goes, okay, let's just see what it is. And he goes, and he goes ow, ow. And he hops around like an income poop, you know, and he holds on to his hip and he goes, oh, my God, that hurts. She said, Yes, that's exactly why I said that. And all of a sudden, they've just learned that you're supposed to hurt now. And one of the things that you say when you hurt is, ow. And it can go from ow, like you're amazed that you hurt, to screaming bloody murder, And that got introduced into the world. Now we just think that's normal. And if that happens two or three times a day, you might be considered to be a little klutzy. But you at least know that <laughs> I hit my hip on everything. I mean, I have multiple owl experiences in the course of 24 hours. It just kind of follows me everywhere I go. And you don't even fight it. Because you think it's real. You think that's the world God created. It's not the world God created. People think that when you're 50 years of age, all of a sudden you need somebody to hold your book at a certain distance because you can no, lo you can no longer see it up close. Well, it's just because I'm getting old. Well, who told you that one? Huh? Who told you that one? Well, everybody, you know, has to have readers uh, when you turn uh, a 50. Well, see, everyone is not the way that God made life. Everyone is just the group of blind people who are going from one ditch to the other ditch, and you've actually joined yourself to them because you believe that's how it should happen. Come on, for just a moment, for a second, work with me on this. Who's the oldest person that ever lived? His name is what? It starts with an M. Methuselah. Yeah, thank you very much. How old did he live? 900 and how many? 69 years no, not 69 years, 969 years. Now, when he turned 50, if he couldn't read any longer, uh -huh, and he got up and felt that ache in his back, and somebody told him, hey, Jack, you've got another 919 years to go, what do you think he would have said but shoot me? Somebody shoot me. Right? And that's the world we call our life. Wow. No wonder we'll buy into it all.
That's what everybody else is doing. How do you understand why we put so much emphasis on you can experience God for yourself? Because once he starts to be real from you, all that stuff starts to leave you one after another. Now, it may take you a little bit of time to all of a sudden let him say, why would you actually think that you hurt? Well, I don't know, because I do. Why don't you check yourself again? Where, where did it go? Come on, I'm in the car with Aaron, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, both hips just like immediately inflamed into, I've got pains running down the sides of my legs, call it whatever you want to call it, but I've never had anything like that before, and I am uncomfortable. I cannot get free from this uncomfortable pain, and we're at Starbucks, and I've got my leg sideways on one of those big chairs, you know, and Aaron's like, oh my God, what are you doing? You're embarrassing me. I said, I'm, I'm, I'm working my hip flexors. I am just hurting so bad in my hips. I don't know what in the world just happened. So I went out into the car a little bit earlier because while well, she was getting her coffee because I wasn't embarrassing her, something that I guess I do regularly. And I got into the car, and this is my prayer. I said, all right, I've done what I can do to get free from this, and it's not working. So have at it. It's your show now. One thing you can know is I'm not involved. Enjoy yourself. Knock yourself out. But thank you for getting involved. And I started the car. 30 seconds later, I cannot remember ever having a pain. It's just gone. Why? I didn't value it. I didn't grab a hold of it. I didn't make it mine. I didn't sit there and try to rebuke it. I just dismissed it. And then the next minute, because I dismissed it, it was gone. Is this helping anybody tonight? Amen. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. I'll take your a lot and add it to everybody's little, and we'll just say it's going over well. All right? Amen. 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 Come on, folks. These these kind of things are so important for us to get a hold of. Let Let me cut to the chase here with some of the things that God did with the Old Testament saints and the reason why Jesus did what he did and the reason why we've got to protect our hearts and why tonight in a few moments we'll open it up for impartations and there's a reason why not just to slop around the anointing and everybody to get all gooey and stuff in the Lord, you know. The reason why we're into impartations is anything that can help heighten the awareness of your divine connection from your heart to his heart is exactly what we want to put emphasis on. Because that is your relationship and that's what makes prayers work. Brother, I don't even know that I am a spirit. Well, see, do you understand then how far behind we are? If you don't recognize your own spirit, how can your spirit recognize him? Right? Isn't this the world that we live in? A world of chameleons? In other words, we change constantly for whatever environment we're in, so we don't really know who we are because we're many things to many different people. Right? Come on, my, my, my last, you know, daughter... You know, a couple years ago, had her last parent-teacher conference, and 
it really revealed all of this. We went in and sat down, and the, the male teacher greeted us and said, Mr. and Mrs. Hockaday, oh, you're here. We're here to talk about Chloe. Oh, I'm so glad to meet you. And he introduced himself, and we sat down right next to each other, and there was a desk in front of us, and he's behind the desk, you know, sitting at his chair. And he said, well, I just want to start out by telling you, if there were more, more uh, young people in our school that were like Chloe Hockaday, we would have a better school. And I said, you know, that is so nice of you to say that. I said, I'd actually like to know why you said that. And he said, well, one thing right off the top of my head is, you know, she's just very quick and sharp in school and gets her work done very, very fast. And without ever telling her on her own, she just took it upon herself to go to student after student that looked like they were struggling and offer her help. When she said that, my wife took her foot and brought it over and touched my foot. Now, that touch actually said a lot. What that touch was interpreted by saying was to me, did he just say that our youngest daughter helps? (laughs) So I interpreted that touch, and I said, so I have a question about that. Did you just use the word help? So Chloe helps students? He said, yes, she's a great help, of which then our feet now became a little bit now, more pressure towards each other. And I said, is there anything else? And he went on to say, oh, yes. Well, I mean, after every class period, she comes up to the front. And I've never asked her this, but she comes up on her own and she cleans up so that the next class period, we're ready for it. And now my wife is pushing so hard that I have to actually put some pressure there so she doesn't just throw my leg over here because now she's freaking out because of the word clean. (laughs) So then I just, on my own, I interpreted that pressure and I said, now did you use the word clean? And he said, yes, I did. And I said, my wife and I would like to meet this person. And and what I've just shared with you is that she is one thing to her parents. She's another thing to her teacher. Then you learn to be another thing to your friends. You learn to be another thing to your enemies. You certainly learn to be a particular way to your relatives. And then the real kicker in this thing is, who are you when you come to a building that's called a church? I mean, I'm at this service and got our hands lifted up and we're singing. And then all of a sudden I opened my eyes and looked and the lady in front of me was doing theatrics with her hands that I've never seen before in my life. And I had to stop work, stop worshiping as she just went on to just just do these these contractions and all this whirlwind of, of movement that made me think that she was signing up for the Olympic team, that maybe there was something that I missed about life, and there was actually a place for that kind of worship. And for that moment, as I was caught up and enraptured in all these movements, the only thing that I could think of was, I wonder if she does this at home. And then I thought to myself, I doubt that very much. She's learned how to be a Christian when she comes to the church. Good night, everybody. It's been really great being here this weekend. I'm feeling like we're done. Praise the Lord.
and I better just go. Maybe I'll finish real quick. But is that making sense with you? All of what I've just shared with you is against your relationship with God, and we don't even know it. This is what's going on around us, and we pick up on this, and this is one of the reasons why you can't tell the real you and whether the real you is actually worshiping the real him because you have to actually put on many different faces in the course of a day. That's why one of the greatest things that can happen to you is to locate you. Because the moment you locate you and you can get quiet and close your eyes and there you are and there he is, that is a relationship. That is a connection. Time, tangibility, and then shared experiences. Come on, to Abraham, he questions God. What does God say? He says, Abraham, go outside and see the stars. See if you can number them. So show your descendants be. Do you remember that? Over in Genesis chapter 15, has anybody ever thought that Abraham was actually a moon worshiper before he came over to God's side? So what did God give him to do in order to make a connection on the inside of his heart that would work not only for seeing the stars, but also work to connect with God? What did he give him? Something that was very difficult that he's never, ever known before, and he wouldn't know it if he, you know, if, if, if he hit him over the top of the head? No. God gave him something that was so normal and so real to him, something he had done so many times, and he had mastered the subject of knowing the constellations and the stars as he he worshiped the moon every single night. When God said, go out and look at the stars, see if you can number them, so shall your descendants be. The moment he stepped out and saw the stars, instantly there was a divine connection and he grabbed a hold of what God said about his son. And the Bible says, and he believed and God put it on his credit as righteousness. Wow. Does God know how to connect people or what he didn't shove 15 scriptures down his throat and say memorize all these with reference (laughs) don't get me wrong thank God for all the scriptures we put down in our heart thank God for even the references of knowing how to go there and find them and be encouraged by them but God didn't shove scripture down his throat in fact God only shoved scripture down the throat of the devil and the religious people. Which means to everybody else that didn't need correction, they just wanted a relationship. God made himself available in the way that they could know him. Wow, he talked to Mary about cooking. Woo! He had her number right there. Yeah? What about Moses? What did he talk to Moses about? What he'd been holding on to for 40 years. What was it? A staff. What did God say about the staff? Be really careful where you point that. That thing's loaded now. (laughs) Huh? It was the first light. Savor. Amen. Yes. Be careful. Be careful. Whoa. Don't point that thing at me. Why? Because it's got God in there. Come on now. When Moses is struggling about what to do, even though Charlton Heston made it look so good, stand ye still and see the salvation of the Lord thy God. For the Egyptians whom you see, you'll know more forever. For the Lord thy God is with you. (sighs) Glory to God. Makes you want to stand up and just shout. 
Well, God didn't do no shouting about that. God rebuked him because what Moses was saying is, God, will you hurry up and do something? And what God is saying is, you split the sea. Me split the sea. Yeah, what's in your hand? Could have had a V8. Come on, think about this. This is exactly why he said it, to bring Moses back to the connection that he made with what Moses held in his hand every single day. Because if you know that well enough from holding on to it, then the same knowledge or relationship to the staff in this world can be applied to your heart in that world. And all of a sudden, that staff turns into the sea splits. Someone else could have took that staff and pointed it, and it would have thought, man, there's nothing in here. There's nothing to this. I laid hands on 15 people. Nothing happened. Well, you know, it's like Brother Hagin said, empty hands on empty heads gets no result. In other words, what makes the difference? The connection to the power. Not just the experience of laying hands on, but being connected to something that when hands are laid on, there's a transmission from one to the next. Talk to fishermen about, about iron. No, he didn't. They didn't know anything about iron. He talked to fishermen about fish. He talked to a blacksmith about iron, wouldn't he? Come on, he talked to a farmer about what? About knitting? No, he talked to a farmer about seed. Why? Because they already had a connection to it. Anything that you've become proficient at, the same kind of feelings and emotions that are attached to that thing you're proficient to are the same types of feelings and emotions that connect to God. They're no different. Let me say it to you in another way. God made humanity to be connected at all times. It was just you were supposed to be connected to him. When man lost that connection to God for all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God, fallen short of the glory of God, it was shorted, okay, of the glory. So now he's no longer in connection with that glory. Then he then became connected to the flesh and the world. We've lived like for that for so long, we forgot that there's actually a connection to God. That having a connection to God is not something special. Having a connection to God is like breathing air to your physical body. Yes. Is anybody getting this? Yes. What is it that you've done well in life? You don't have to tell me, but there's something of which you actually can connect to. I mean, even if it's as simple as actually doing a good job brushing your teeth. Do you get sweaty palms when it's time to brush your teeth? Oh, no, I have to go through this experience. I'm starting to get a little nervous. I'm breaking out in a sweat. Why? What are you going to do? I'm going to brush my teeth. It's very unnerving for me. You know, it takes me a while to actually do it. And then usually halfway through, I, I, I could almost gag because I, I just don't like it. I just don't do it well. Huh? Or is brushing your teeth like one of the simplest things that you do? 
you know, and you just do it, whether you feel like it, whether you don't feel like it. You do it because you know it doesn't take long, and you're good at it. You know how to put the toothpaste on the brush. You know how to stick that thing in your mouth, and you know now, through years of study, that you don't do this motion and wear down your gums. You do a round motion, okay? You know how to do it. You know how to do it well. You don't think about it. You just The same relaxed feeling an emotion, even to something as simple as that, is the same way you believe God. We're not sweating now, breaking out into some type of emotional, you know, bondage, because we're going to believe God that we're going to receive some type of miracle. No, you don't have to get in some squatted position. You don't have to actually hum or anything else. This is something that's as natural as brushing your teeth. Are you starting to get this? We're losing this simplistic part of this divine connection with God. One One generation to the next, people are losing that connection. Come on, we've almost lost now the connection of people to people. Do you want to know one of the greatest punishments to your children? It's very simple. It's very old school. It's actually called they have to tell their friend they're sorry to their face. I'll FaceTime them. No, you can't FaceTime. I'll Twitter them. No, you can't Twitter them. I'll text them. Okay, Dad. Okay. I'll call them. No. You will go face to face and you will tell them yourself that you're sorry. And you will even look their parents in the face and tell them you're sorry as well. No, Dad. Not face to face. Oh, Dad, anything but face to face. Because we're losing the connection. Our phones are helping us to become hermits where we don't need a physical connection because we have an electronic connection (coughs) and if we can't even connect to people we can see how are you going to become proficient at connecting with God you can't see Mm. digest for just a second digest for just a second because everything we're endeavoring to do this weekend I know it might be my style, it might be the way that I say things, and you don't have to like it. Come and like what Pastor Jennifer does, okay? If anybody throw and kick to the curb, do that for me. I'm just a traveling guy, all right? I'm coming in here to go and get everybody stirred up, amen. I'm actually not caring if you like me, because I won't see you. Amen? I leave tomorrow, so see, I don't have this attachment That's why I don't have to be nice. I just have to be accurate. You know, nice isn't in the Bible. Nice carries with it the idea of accommodating. And that's the last thing we need to do is to accommodate people according to the way they want to see it. We have to show people something that's absolute enough for them to let go of what's not so that they can grab a hold of what is. Yes, 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 amen. That's how people find God. Amen. And it's worth it to talk like that for one person to grab a hold of that live wire and get a hold of God. Can you see tonight 
that really within our own experiences of life, we have actually had the kind of feelings, emotion, and connection that works with God every time. Can you not see that? We've been hoodwinked to think it's something special. We've been hoodwinked to think you have to get on your knees. You might have to pray <clears throat> two or three hours extra. You might have to do extra reading of the Bible. Something beyond just being you because there must be something that is more than just you. And the real answer is all God needs is you. Yes. Amen. Glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Come on, his wonderful hand is here tonight. His presence is here. And we're going to open this up in a couple, <coughs> excuse me, a couple of minutes to just divine impartations. And what are those impartations about? It's all about bringing a reality to your soul. How come to the soul? Well, this is the finishing touch to what we preach tonight. The old covenant man was not connected in his soul. He wasn't saved. So God used things like staffs, stars, all kinds of different things to help man be connected, to have the idea. But in the new covenant, guess what he did? He got rid of all the outward extremities and just changed our hearts. <laughs> That's why that heart is the greatest commodity you have. It's the seat of where God lives inside of you. It's where God talks to you. It's where God walks with you. It's where God makes himself known to you in your heart. That's why we're going to lay hands on people for impartations. Because it's just possible tonight that an impartation might touch your heart and you begin to see, feel, know something that's real a little bit more than when you came. Amen. Would you lift your hands with me right now? Father, thank you. Look at, look at everybody, Father. Look at their hands in the air. Look at their hearts that beat to know you to want you, to want to experience you. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Hallelujah. Come on, don't get unnerved by letting there be silence for just a little longer. Stay connected in your 